it's been kind of interesting as we come together on Sundays when we have our class, before everything starts up, a few of us are here, they're setting up the room, and uh, Brian and I usually come in and sit down and we do a voice check to get everything set up for the broadcast with our voice and with the video. And the one way I do it, rather than just talk, 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 because I tend to go silent as soon as I say, okay, so, say something, Jim. I just kind of go, <laughs> I don't know what to say. So they give me one of the books that, that uh, we wrote or I wrote so many years ago, and I just read from it, just read, 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 and I just open it up. There's no order by which I do it, and it's always a different book, it seems. Sometimes it's the knowing of God. Today it was, you know, today it was the knowing of God. Sometimes it's love and loving and so on. So I open it up and I just start reading. And it's interesting how what is in that moment being read is so pertinent to the moment for myself and for the class itself. And I have found it so interesting over and over, every Sunday that we've done this, I'm just amazed at at what I'm I'm sharing. And then I hear later from some of the staff that are here when we're doing that, that that's what they needed to hear. Of all the things I could have read, that's the thing that they needed to hear. And so I know that that made me look back uh, in my meditation. When I was younger, uh, my first physical spiritual teacher that I had uh, he had me take the, a book that he had that was very dear to him, a spiritual book. And I would take and open it up every day and read from it just to see what was there for me. And it worked quite remarkably. It kind of laid out the energy of the day, laid my focus for my walk in the day, or it gave me a greater understanding of how to move in the world and to handle certain things. And it's interesting how spirit will support us if we just allow it to. But oftentimes, the simplest little things that seem too simple, too easy, too nonsensical, if you will, can really be the thing that answers that question, that doubt, that fear inside of us. And I think all of us have dealt with doubt and fear and wonder and hesitation in the world throughout time. And it's time now for us to begin to look and see that in every moment, God is walking with us, giving us understanding, giving us clarity, however God can give it to us. I find mine mostly in meditation but I also find it just in that way as I shared about the book and opening it up and reading something from it and realizing that it's very pertinent in the moment for me. There are other ways as well, such as paying attention to our dreams and letting spirit and our own soul and God work within our dream state to communicate, to share, to give clarity, to give understanding and guidance. And dreams can do that and will do that if we will create the space for that to happen. 
We have to create the space for things to happen in our life. Meditation is one way of creating the space. We set a time by which we are going to hold our focus inward and upward on God, on loving, on loving God and receiving God's loving. If we do that on a daily basis, we're going to find that we will create an energy by which we move and spirit moves in us in a way that it otherwise would not do so. And in that, it assists us. It brings us clarity and understanding. It helps us to live in a greater sense of flow and freedom of loving. And dreams can do that too, if we will create the space. When I was much younger, I would have a pad and paper by my bed wasn't really a journal per se, it was a spiral notebook. And during the night I would just wake up and I would begin to write down the dreams that I was remembering. But you have to make the intention to bring the dreams forward. And by having a journal next to your bed to write the dreams down, it's interesting. The Consciousness inside of you and your own soul will say, okay, so he's creating an avenue of communication. He's creating a space by which things can be shared. We have to create. We have to open those doors. And by just doing some simple steps, having a journal next to you, setting the intention, just like I said earlier about meditation, setting an intention that you're going to be open and vulnerable to the movement of loving in your dream state. And when you wake up, you're going to remember and write your dreams down. And then if you do that, more and more you're going to find that your dreams will become more vivid and more full of the experiences that you're longing for, wanting, or the clarity and understanding of situations in your life, whatever it might be. You set the intention and then let spirit bring it forward. I know for me, it worked wonderfully and has worked wonderfully throughout all my life. And I've ever, ever, keeping my life simple, keeping it clearly focused on God, on loving, on serving, on awakening, and on receiving, understanding, wisdom, truth, clarity, insight, understanding of my life, my situations, whatever it might be. But if you sit around and watch TV a little bit and then go to bed and don't have an intention and you wake up and you wonder, why don't I have a dream? Why don't I have clarity of things? Maybe it's because you're not doing the inner work. If you do the inner work, you're going to get the inner response, the inner experience. But you have to do your part. 
That's one thing I've learned in this, if I've learned anything. You have to do your part. You have to sit down and do the meditation. You have to set the intention and do the action of journaling in your dream states. You have to do the inner and the outer walk of your life daily through loving, accepting, and forgiving of yourself, of others, and of God. And you have to pay attention to your thoughts and your feelings, your actions and your reactions. And when you enter into a conversation with somebody and it seems to be going a very different direction than what you would have liked to have it go, don't get caught up into the energy where they're going and play the game with them, but rather pay attention and hold to your truth, to your loving, and maybe to your acceptance and forgiveness with them and with yourself in the situation. Because if you aren't doing the work, who's doing it for you? Nobody. Nobody. My mom told me so many times as I was growing up, I'll tell you my truth about what I've experienced and how I've handled life, but that doesn't mean that's your truth. But until you find your truth, you might try my truth on and see if it works. And if it doesn't, then you better go talk to your dad. But she would make a little joke and say, but I think I've got more truth than he does. <laughs> but I found that to be very real and honest and true for me. She did give me some understanding. She did give me some clarity. She did teach me a lot. And some of it, by the time I was 16 years old, I was setting it aside because I realized it wasn't my way. It wasn't who I am. It isn't how I wanted to live my life. But it got me to a certain point in my life and helped me to begin to understand life in a new way. But ultimately, I found I had to release all these belief systems that people have put on me and find my own truth, my own belief. Have you done that for yourself? Do you know what is true for you? Do you know what really works for you? Are you really living the life that is your life? Or are you living the life other people gave you to live? So many times, our parents set goals for us. They set goals within themselves that are for us to fulfill, to live. It is only by going inside and getting to know the truth of who you are. It is only by going inside and connecting all the dots, if you will, connecting with your physical self, connecting with your imaginational self and the emotional self, the mental self, the unconscious self, and your soul. And connecting all that together to where it begins to communicate and work and express and share itself in the fullness that you begin to really know who you are, why you're here, 
and how to fulfill yourself in this lifetime. And that's a lot to look at and to do. And yet, what are we here for? Why are we here? That's a big question in any spiritual search. Who am I? Where am I from? Where am I going? But why am I here? What am I to do here? Do I have a purpose? Do I have a mission? Do I have a goal? Do I have a reason for living? Or is this just a big mistake? Well, believe me, from my own experience, there's no one that's a big mistake. We all have a purpose. We all have a direction to move in. But the world doesn't often assist us in learning how to become aware of that. We've got to do that then ourselves if the world can't do it for us. And the way I know that it can be done is through the meditation practice. Because through meditation, we rise above all that which is of the physical self. And we begin to awaken to our own soul and to that loving presence of God. And that's who we truly are. And that's where our purpose is also found. Why am I here? Who am I? Is there something for me to fulfill? Is there something for me to learn? Have you looked at any of that in your life? Have you ever ached in sorrow and anger and frustration and pain at not knowing those things and feeling the want to know them? How many times have you gone to bed at night crying because you don't have somebody to love you and you want somebody to love you? It sounds like a song. <laughs> but it's true. A lot of us are in that place where we are lonely and we are longing and we are needing and we don't know what to do with it. We just live in the anger and the sorrow. We don't have to do that. The answer to all your questions, as they say, is found inside. And that loving that you're longing for is found inside. The loving that you're really longing for is God's loving. You don't know it, maybe. You may think it's out in the world, it's in that other person. It's in some situation in life out there. But in truth, the answer to what you are longing for and needing is inside. That's why Brian and I talk so much about meditation, because we know where the truth lies. We know where you can go and find it. And that truth is the truth for each and every one. 
the real truth of it all is the loving. Once we connect to the loving within ourselves and we begin to let that loving flow and we let that loving go to God and receive God's loving and we begin to allow that loving to go into our own self and receive the loving that the self has for the soul and let that loving flow out into the world to others then we begin to find the fulfillment of our life. Being able to truly live in that movement of loving is the greatest fulfillment we can ever, ever know. It isn't about having the perfect job, the perfect relationship, the perfect children, the perfect house. It's about movement of loving. That's what we're all longing for and wanting and hurting for. It isn't about money. It isn't about things. It isn't about anything that you can put your hand on and touch and feel, pick up and carry away. It's about loving. If you want loving in your life, Start loving yourself. Start allowing yourself to love you, not hate yourself, not judge yourself, not fear yourself, not damn yourself, or whatever it is that you do. Start loving yourself. The easiest way to do that is in meditation. Becoming still, becoming quiet inside yourself and focusing, holding your attention on God and loving God and allowing God's loving in. And for most of us, that's a very unreal statement. Yeah, right. Is there really a God? Are you sure there's a God? I don't know if there's a God. And I don't know that he loves me. I don't love me, so why would God love me? The key is, God doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. God sees us as soul. God sees us as a divine expression of his own being and manifestation. And that's all he sees. You know, <clears throat> have you ever been in a restaurant where there's a family and there's a child or two there that are really acting up? Just carrying on, loud, messy, whatever it might be, and you're just getting more and more irritated and frustrated by those parents and by those children. And you talk to one of the parents and they just say, oh, aren't they adorable? It's just so much fun to see them just playing and having fun and enjoying things. And you're looking at it and going, that's not fun, that's not enjoyable, that's messy, that's noisy, that's disturbing. But through the eyes of love, 
They see it differently. That's how God sees us, as a child of his own creation. And he looks at us in the eyes of love. There's nothing we can do that's wrong. There's nothing that we can do that God's going to be irritated and disturbed with and go into judgment with. God loves everything we do, no matter what. Even if we do nothing, God loves doing nothing, then that's just fine. And God's love is so patient. So, so patient. Because loving is patient. So why not begin to see yourself through the eyes of God within you? In meditation, you can begin to experience that. You can begin to see things through the eye of your own soul, that spiritual eye within. And you can begin to see things in a loving way, an accepting way, that otherwise you may not be able to see. There are times in my meditation when I am looking at people and their souls. And I know that down here with their bodies, they're doing all kinds of stuff that's disturbing and just distracting to them and to others and whatever. But when I look at their soul, what I see is God's loving. It's the most brilliant light that you could ever imagine. It's much more bright than the sun itself. It's just brilliant. And yet it's not so bright that it just turns you away, but rather it's a light that fills. And that's every soul. Every soul is the same. Every soul is the light of God. And that light is ever streaming forth loving and caring and nurturing, even while the consciousness down below in this physical body is in terrible disarray. The soul is not. So if you can find that way within yourself, and I would recommend meditation because it's the easiest way to do it, to come in touch with that loving light that is you, the soul, then a lot will get answered. Things will calm down. Things will become more centered. Clarity will come forward. Understanding about who you really are. A lot of the things, the old habits, the old patterns, the old running away will calm down and even move aside so that you can live more in that loving flow that you discover inside. And it's simple. It's easy. That's the thing about God's loving path. This pathway is simple. It's easy. That's what all 
all the mystics, all the spiritual teachers of the past and the present offer. When they offer the path of sound and light, they offer the simple and easy path. Just go back and see what all the teachers have said. And not, you can't find books about every teacher and every statement that they ever said, but you will find references to certain teachers saying just that. Lao Tzu, Aristotle, Jesus, Zoroaster, so many teachers of the past and those of the present. Those in India, such as Charan Singh and Sawan Singh, Kabir, Nanak. There are a lot of teachers in the world that are teaching the path of sound and light. Now by a lot, it's a few hundred. It's not millions. It's not thousands. But that's a lot. Not everybody is ready to go home to God. But those that are ready to go home to God, a teacher is available to them. And it's up to them then to respond to that inner call and follow that inner call to where the teacher is and to begin to take that inner journey, that inner practice and walk the simple and easy path. Now for some of you, you may say, yeah, it really is. It's so simple. It's so easy. I just can't believe it took me so long to find it. And for others of you, you may be going, yeah, right, simple and easy? Are you kidding me? This is damn hard. I got to forgive myself. Are you kidding me? I have to love myself. Are you joking? And I just can't accept myself. I, there's no way. But that's the three elements by which if we will enact in our daily life, you're going to find your life changing. You're going to find doors opening. Doors opening inside yourself and doors opening actually in the world. Doors that you would never expect to open will open wide and let you in, both inwardly and outwardly, because of this alignment that can take place inside of us. And it all begins by sitting down and going inside, focusing your attention at the seat of the soul, and just sharing your loving with God and opening to receive God's loving. And I've said it so many times. You don't even have to believe in God. Just go in and say, hey, if you're there, I love you. And if you're there, I'm open to receive your loving. Now, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody years ago when they were beginning to do this meditation practice, and they called me up and they said, okay, okay. And, and he was agnostic. He really didn't know if there was a God or not. So he called and he said, okay, okay, I, I've got a question for you. Now, I'm sitting here and I'm loving this God that you're talking about 
And I don't know that there's really a God, but I'm going to be in loving with him and share my loving with him. But how I know it's not just my loving reflecting back on me that's coming in and that there is no God and I'm not receiving God's loving, I'm just getting my loving coming back. And I said, is there anything wrong with that? And he goes, well, yeah, but it's confusing me. And I said, oh, so you're getting loving coming back. And he goes, well, yeah, but is it my love? Or is that God loving me? How do I know that that's God's loving? And I go, keep doing it and find out. So weeks, weeks, weeks later, many weeks later, I ran into him at the grocery store. And he looked at me and he started crying. And he goes, I can't look at you, just go away. (laughs) And I said, okay, and I left. And he called me and said, why did you leave? <laughs> and I said, you told me to leave. And so I, I, I'm fine with whatever it is that will best serve you. So he said, I just, I don't know how I can tell you about the, what's going on. But he said, okay, so I know that the loving's coming from something else than me because it's different than my love. He says, I'm beginning to know my loving as I share my loving with God. And all of a sudden, something's coming back, but it's not the same. It's different. And I said, well, how is it different? And he goes, oh, my God, it's huge. It's so much bigger than what I'm putting out. I don't know how to put out that kind of love. And I'm having a hard time receiving it. I'm having a hard time letting it in. I don't know where to put it all. And I said, I've got a key for you. You don't have to put it anywhere. You don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to maintain it. It doesn't have to fill every part of your consciousness. Just let it in and let it move through you the way it wants to move through you. And that's the truth. You want to be in that flow of the living river of love. And you don't want to dam it up. Well, he was damming it up. He was trying to hold on to it. He was trying to fill up with it. He was trying to maintain it. He was trying to create space enough for it all. But he didn't want to let go of it because, gosh, what if he let go of it and it went and then there was no more? That's what he was worried about. So he began to work on this whole thing of just letting it flow. And he said, you know what? I'm selfish. I am so selfish. I don't want to give it away. I want it all for myself. Now what do I do? I said, okay, so let it be there for you and become aware that there's enough always coming in for you that you don't have to worry about running out. That it's always going to be flowing. It's always going to be present. And so he began working on that level of it. That's what I'm talking about in this action of meditation and in loving God and letting God love you.
Even if you don't believe in God, do it anyway and find out what comes back. There's a law in physics and a law in the spiritual pathway that says for every action, there's an re equal reaction. As you give, so shall you receive. As you create, so you receive that creation. So be willing to find out what your love looks like coming back at you and see what that might be. And I think you'll find that it will begin to fill up that void inside of you where the longing, the tears, the wanting, the needing runs so hard and deep. And with this thing of LAF, again, we've said it over and over and over, but so many people, it's just so interesting, they hear it when they hear it. And that we know. We see that all the time. We get it when we get it. We hear it when we hear it, and not until then. So I'll say it again, just so maybe somebody will hear it today that hasn't heard it before. LAF is 99% about you doing that action with yourself. Then it's about all the other. The greatest judgments are within ourselves. We've created them for ourselves and we hold them against ourselves. And that's where the forgiveness needs to take place. When we forgive ourselves, most of the work is really done. Most of the learning of all the lessons is done for the soul itself in this creation. There's a lot of little things here and there to do, but learning to be in that action of forgiving and loving is the key element about why we come into this creation. This creation is about separation and about being caught up in the world of reflections, the illusion. And it is in separation from our truth and from ourself and from our loving that causes us to go into judgment. It's an element of the lesson of separation. And in that separation, we often create a lot of illusions about ourselves, about how great we are or how awful and terrible we are. We create all kinds of illusions. And that's one of the lessons that go along with the lesson of separation that we have to learn. And it's through that loving, accepting, and forgiving of ourselves that we really begin to heal and learn and grow and become aware of the truth of who we are. And we stop the judging and we stop the separation and we stop living in the illusion of things and start living in the flow of truth. 
Loving and truth are side by side. The greatest truth is loving. So why not go for the greatest truth, the greatest loving? Are you worthy of being loved? Do you want to be loved? Do you long to be loved? Then love yourself. There's no one else that can do it any better than you for you. Love yourself. Stop looking for other people to do it for you and with you and to you. Nobody can love you the way you can love yourself. But the self that truly will love you is your soul. That's where the loving of you resides. So in meditation, if we can connect back into the seat of the soul where the soul resides within this form, within this consciousness, we can begin to truly live in that loving, live in that flow and movement of loving in our consciousness, in our daily life. And we can walk in truth and peace and gratitude and so much more that loving makes up. It's all so simple, and yet it's all so hard. You know what the hard part is? Sitting down and closing your eyes and confronting yourself. People will get up and go, nope, nope, don't have time. I got to go do some stuff. Don't want to look in there. Oh, God, you don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Are you kidding me? The things that you may first come up and have to see inside as you go inside are all the illusions. They are just illusions. They are not you. They are not real. They are not true. Unless, of course, they are. But for the most part, they're illusions that you've created about yourself or you've taken on from other people that told you, this is who you are. This is who you are. No, this is who you are. And you carry all <clears throat> that with you in your belief systems. And they stand between you and your truth. They stand between you and the knowing of your own soul and your own loving. And so you may have to go in and see and look and feel and experience all that. But it's just for the moment. Because you just walk into your meditation and you go inside and you just say, I love you, I love you, I release you, I let go of you, you're not a part of me, I release you back to where you came from in loving. I accept you for what you are, but I'm not doing you anymore. I'm releasing you in loving. I forgive myself for taking you in as a belief that this is who I am when it's not me, and I release it now in loving. It works. It really works. And then all of a sudden, 
when you don't have all that standing between you and your loving, you begin to now move inward and upward to where the loving resides. And it becomes pretty easy to do once you move out all that little stuff that stands at the doorway that you think is you, but it's not. So if you do that work of loving, accepting, and forgiving yourself, and then you connect into the truth of who you are, that's 99% of the work you came here to do. And then the rest is pretty easy, pretty simple. And yeah, you sort of going to deal with this outer world and all its hoopla, but it's a lot easier to handle because you don't get caught up in it, you don't believe this is a part of you or that you have to be a part of it. And you can be more the observer rather than the participant in the chaos and the struggle that this world carries. And chaos is a good word to look at. Do you have chaos in your life? If you do, realize that you're looking outside. You're looking into the world for your answers and your solutions. And that's what the world is, is a world of chaos. I remember the first time I took a trip to Egypt, I took a tour of people over there, of 88 people, two busloads, and we would drive around looking at all the different tombs and temples and pyramids and whatever else, villages. And I got to sit next to an archaeologist that was assigned to our trip, an Egyptian archaeologist, and we would talk as we drove on the bus to different sites. And the one thing I learned, not just about Egyptian religion and culture, but about ancient religions and, and as a whole, that they believed that the world was created in chaos. And that part of the ancient religions that have existed, even now today in India, the ritual is based on keeping the chaos alive. They don't want the world to come to an end. It's important to keep the God's chaos alive that created this creation. And so they feed the chaos in their rituals. They feed the chaos in their daily life because they need that chaos to stay going because if the chaos comes to a quiet, then this creation will come to a quiet. And then where are we? Well, the physical consciousness will just go into the quiet with the whole process of returning back from which it came, and the soul will go back to the spiritual realms. But if you don't know about the spiritual realms, and you think that the world of chaos is the only thing there is, then you don't want it to come to an end. 
you want to keep feeding it. You want to keep having to come back and return to the chaos. And chaos is good. But in truth, chaos is a distraction. It's a way to keep the soul focused down and out and caught up in the world, in the outer. And chaos creates all kinds of illusions for us of responsibility, of burden, of blame, and so much more. So if you find yourself getting caught up in the chaos, go into the neutrality, go into the centeredness. Don't live in the polarity of life, the positive and negative polarities of this creation. Go into that loving neutrality that is in spirit, that is true. Polarity is chaos. Loving is neutral and is separate from the chaos. And if you can live your life focused and centered in that loving daily, you can see the storms moving around you, but you don't have to get caught up in them. And they really aren't going to be able to pull you into them very easily unless you choose to allow yourself to get caught up. I hope some of this is making sense. I hope that somewhere in all that I'm sharing, there's a little light that can go on and you go, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, that's true. I've never thought about that. Or maybe I've just given you constant reminders over and over and over about why meditate. When I was in India, we traveled from the south to the north, and I got to see a lot of different teachers, you know, doing what they do. And it was very interesting. We went to this one temple. I went to a lot of temples when we were there, but we went to this one temple, and the as we were walking in the gate, this priest came out and greeted us. And he bowed down and wanted me to come in to the temple, into the inner sanctum of the temple. And a couple of people that were traveling with me, he didn't want them to go. <laughs> was like, no, 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 you come. And he didn't speak English real well but we got the message just by how he would hold people back or allow me in or whatever. And he wanted me to go into the inner sanctum with him and be there present. <clears throat> and he began to do a certain fire ritual. And I noticed in that that it's a, it's a means by which to both offer up prayer but also to stir the waters, to stir the chaos, and that that ritual is very important. And so I was sitting there watching, participating, holding the focus of my own loving in it all, 
And a woman that was sitting next to me who spoke English, she was Indian, but she spoke English, she said, do you want me to explain to you what we're doing, what, what's going on? And I said, oh, I'd love it. And so she told me that this was about offering and uh, bringing our prayers up to God, but this is also about awakening. What they are doing is awakening the God. It was in the morning, and they were awakening the God of the temple and beginning to stir the chaos of the day. And that the chaos that is stirred keeps things in motion and, and alive and, and, and going. And it was just interesting to hear much of what I've learned in Egypt and in other places now being talked about there. And I realize that that's what we often will do. We'll wake up in the morning and we stir the chaos. We immediately go into a mode of waking up and stirring the chaos in our life. Oh God, here we go. I've got to go to work again. It's Monday morning. I've got to deal with these people. You know, what am I going to do? <laughs> do I fire them? Do I keep them? You know, do I quit? Do I <laughs> what? You know, because it just gets to be so much having to deal with the chaos. Why not find a new way of handling your life? There's a place inside of us where peace resides, where really true peace, true stillness, true loving resides. And if we can begin to learn to live not just be aware of and go there in our meditation, but live from there every day and every moment of every day. Then we can do our life differently. We can enter into the day differently. And that's a key. There's a statement in the Bible that says, be still and know that I am God. Well, before I ever heard that statement, I used to have a teacher that used to come to me, and he would say, live one day at a time, one breath at a time. Live in the moment, live in the here, live in the now, and you will live life to the fullest. I mean, that's how he greeted me every morning. And then we would do whatever it was he wanted me to do that day. And I still look at that phrase and listen to that phrase and say that phrase every day. <coughs> live life to the fullest. Live it in the moment. Live it in the now. Live it very present as to why am I here now, why am I doing this now, why am I saying this now, where am I going with this now, how can I fulfill myself as a spiritual being and as a physical being right now. That's all very, very important. Be in the world, 
one day at a time, one breath at a time. How many of you are living not just today, but yesterday and the day before that and the day before that, judging and complaining about this and that and carrying all that with you into today? And now you're taking it into the future and going about all these things in the future that you've got to do and you don't want to do and how you're going to do it and how you're going to avoid it. And, you know, are you living right now or are you living in the past and the, pre and the future? A lot of us lived in the past and the future. I remember catching myself one time. I had... I don't even know how this happened, but I got into an argument between two teachers at school. I was a student, and they weren't even my teachers. <laughs> but I somehow got caught up in the middle of this argument. And I walked away from there totally bewildered, totally upset, not knowing what just happened or why they said these things. And for the rest of the day, I was running the conversation over and over in my head, trying to figure out, now, if I had said this, maybe this would have happened. Well, why didn't they say this? Why did they say that? You know, and have you ever had those conversations going on in your mind? You're trying to resolve it. You're trying to fix it. You're going to make it so it's different than what it was by running it over and over in the past. It doesn't work, does it? Why not just accept what happened and move forward and forgive and love whatever needs to be done there and move on? Live today. Live right now. This is the moment. This is the precious moment. And if you can live aware right now in this moment, and live it as full as you can, you will have fulfilled so much of your life, and the next moment will be just as fulfilling. <coughs> even if you do nothing, even if you're just out for a walk, observing and looking at trees and flowers and birds and deer and water, and, and yet being in that moment to the fullest can truly fulfill so much of what it is you're looking for. Your body does have a longing for something. Your emotions, your mind, there's so many different components of the self and they're all longing and looking for something to fulfill them with. If we can bring them into alignment and find that place of stillness, where the fulfillment can just flow, they all will be answered. They will all be quiet. And you can walk through life in a much more fulfilled way. <coughs> so stop, look and listen. Stop and see what it is you're really doing in the moment. Pay attention to what it is you've gotten yourself involved with. And is this really important to you? And is this really where you want to be? 
and make adjustments if you need to. And look around and see, where am I? Who am I with? Why am I here? Why are we doing this? Is this fulfilling me? Is this answering to me? Is this where I really need to be? And listen. Stop talking for a minute and listen. Listen to what is going on. Listen to the noises around you. Listen to the sounds outward and inward. Is this what you really want to hear? Is this really what you want to be told? Is this really the sounds of life that fulfill you? <coughs> or is there something else that could do that for you? Make choices. You have a choice. You had a choice to be here today. I hope it was a good choice. But you have choices that you could make every day and every moment of every day. So I'll just go back to the very beginning. This pathway is about the path of meditation, about going within, about connecting with our own soul. And that's done by living in that movement of loving where we love God and God loves us and we begin to awaken to the greater truth, the truth of life, the truth of loving, the truth of soul, the truth of spirit. There are two truths that we can follow, the truth of spirit and the truth of the world. They're not the same. Find out what truth you're following and see if that's the truth you want to continue to follow. And if it is, that's great. And if it isn't, then begin to research and find that truth that will fulfill you. For me, that's meditation. It's going inside. It's connecting to that loving and it's getting into that place of simplicity. And if you need a roadmap to places of chaos, I can give you that too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs>